You are listening to motivational quotes and inspirational life stories from real life people just like you. I'm your host, Victoria Johnson. You can learn more about me and my number one best-selling book at victoriajohnson.org. It's time to share our experiences and motivate and inspire you. So let's get started. Well, hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to another amazing episode. I'm really excited to share with you today a very unique individual, and she is going to help us with grief as she is the grief guru. And her name is Kelly Nielsen, and she feels that her calling and purpose in life is to help people recover from grief and to know that that is actually a possibility. And I'm really excited to hear her message and to be sharing that with you. So thank you for joining us today. And Kelly, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I want to let people know where they can find you. So if they are able to look it up, maybe get on your website while we're talking or something, that would be wonderful. So the website is The Grief Guru. So guru is about G-U-R-U dot com. So thegriefguru.com and on Facebook and Instagram, the same, The Grief Guru and YouTube as well. So tell us a little bit how you got involved with being the grief guru? Yeah. Well, it comes from personal, very intimate personal experience with grief and really losing the battle initially. So I grew up with kind of a lot of adversity in my life. And what I help explain to people is that grief isn't just when you lose a loved one. Grief really shows up in your life whenever you have a hope and expectation and then a reality that doesn't match that. So people can grieve a divorce, a job loss, even moving, even positive changes. Sometimes there can be grief and a grieving process associated with that. So I certainly have had my fair share of grief having gone through divorce, bankruptcy. I'm a two-time cancer survivor. I've had just kind of a lot of hardship in my life leading up to what I like to call the Super Bowl of grief. So in my life, I grew up in a household that was very dysfunctional and addiction um, abounded. My dad was and is an addict and and um, that caused a lot of hardship in our lives and really in his relationship with my mother. And it took a toll on their marriage and on both of their mental health and all that. And on February 1st of 2017, my mom actually took her own life. She committed suicide as a direct result of uh, the issues in their marriage and his addiction. And that really, for me, it shattered our family. We honestly have not recovered from that, our family unit. Personally, for me, it was a crisis of faith. It was, you know, everything that I thought was true. Everything that I believed to be true was just shaken in that moment. Up was down, down was up. I had more questions than answers. Things I had been told my whole life about my dad and their marriage, I found out were not true. There were a lot of questions and still are a lot of questions around what happened the days leading up to her passing and even the night that she did pass away. I can't even concretely tell you 100% that she did commit suicide. There is still some speculation about my dad's pardon it or not pardon it. And so all of that just... The way I like to describe it is, you know, grief came in like a flood and it swept me out to sea. I mean, my mom was my best friend. I used to talk to her every day. And the manner in which she passed and that it was so sudden and so tragic, I had a hard time functioning. I was in a leadership role and organization and had to take a different job because I just wasn't equipped to do that role. I was having a hard time even just getting through the day. So grief really was having its way with me. I went to try to find traditional support. I went to a suicide support group. And while it was 
comforting to be in a room of people who could understand my pain. It was horrific to me because I went to that group and there were people in there who had lost their loved one months or even years ago and they were struggling just as much as I was struggling. And I was only, you know, about a month out from when it happened. And so I I just started to be resound to the fact that that was going to be my future, that I was just going to be sad and miserable and just trying to get by day after day. And it was awful. I lost hope that I would ever recover, you know. And one of the things about grief and especially sudden traumatic grief like suicide is your friends and a lot of people just, they don't know what to do. It's kind of bigger than they can wrap their heads and hearts around. And so it can be very isolating and very lonely. And that's absolutely where I found myself, isolated, lonely, and with little to no hope that it would ever get better. And then thank God, I saw a speaker that forever changed my life. I went to a conference. I actually had to go for work. And I saw a speaker share her story of surviving the Rwandan genocide. Her name is Immaculate, and she shared the horrific account of being hit away in a bathroom for 90 days with eight other women while literally everyone she knew was being massacred around her. And they were airing it over the radio. So she heard over the radio her family being killed, the people in the village next store being killed. She not only shared about surviving that, but she shared about the healing process after that, that when it was all said and done and she came out of the bathroom, how to forgive and be healed and learn to walk and live again. And I saw her on stage full of joy, full of hope, full of expectation for good, living a full, rich life. And for me, it was this huge, pivotal light bulb moment that if God can do it for her, he can do it for me. If it's possible for her, then it's possible for me. And so I decided right then and there that I was going to figure it out. No matter how long it took or whatever I needed to do, I was bound and determined that I was going to get better. I was going to get back to living a life that I loved. And I set about to find the tools and resources to do that. And it was a far and wide search. You know, in my experience, there's not a lot of examples. There's not a lot of people teaching us how to do this well. There's a lot of people describing grief and comforting and letting people know it's okay for them to grieve. But I don't see a lot of examples of people saying, hey, grief is a real thing. And here are the things you can do to help, you know? So I just, through research, I just started studying about the mind and neuroscience and neuroplasticity and just started paying radical attention to my own body, my own energy, my own, you know, what I'm reading, what I'm eating, you know, and taking care to note what helps and what doesn't help. So through research, prayer, and good old trial and error, I started to learn the things that were helpful to me. And I started to get back on my feet. I started to feel more like myself again. And it didn't come too soon. I'm so thankful that I went through the process and learned those skills because a year and a half after my mom passed away, my 20-year-old son died of a drug overdose. And as any parent who's lost a child will tell you, I mean, grief showed up again. Grief showed up in a big way and was there wanting to sweep me out to sea again. But I had learned so much through the process of grieving my mom. I had learned what was helpful and what was hurtful. And I knew how to avoid the traps that keep people stuck. And so the process of grieving my son was like night and day difference from the process of grieving my mom. I was able to get back to a place of functioning and experiencing joy so much sooner. Now, it doesn't make it hurt any less or it doesn't minimize anything. I just was able to function and start navigating so much sooner than with my mom. And it was then that I realized 
you know, this has to be shared. People don't know this. And if you wait until someone dies and then try to figure it out, you're kind of in the midst of it right there. And so that's when I decided, you know, this would become my life's work. This would be the message that I will carry to my grave, my own grave, and share with as many people as possible between now and then. And so that is how I became the grief guru. Wow. That is an amazing experience. I was going to say story, but it is an experience that, you know, I can feel little bits of just as you speak of it. And I've made so many notes about what you said. And one thing that I wanted to go back to is that you said you learned what was helpful and what was hurtful. Mm -hmm. when you were going through the process. Are you able to expand on that a little bit? Yeah. And and really what I teach people is a five-step framework that I help people implement in their life. And so the first step is establishing a framework for yourself. So that's kind of the first tip is to get really clear with yourself about what you believe and what you want and who's your example. That's the first step of, that's step number one. And that takes the longest step. It's also the step that most people don't do. So we have so many myths and bad practices about grief out there. So many of us inherited our beliefs about grief from traditions or culture or our family. And to just take the time for yourself, by yourself, or with the Lord or a counselor or whoever, but to be very intentional to analyze what do you believe? And is this serving you? Is it rooted in truth? Is there lies mixed in there? Is it serving you or not? That whole process is so instrumental. Um, and without it, that's why you don't, have, you don't have anywhere to put your feet until you really decide for yourself what you're choosing to believe about this tragedy in your life. And then once you've come to grips with what you're believing about it, then deciding for yourself, where do you want to go? What is your goal? What is your objective? I know especially when someone loses someone suddenly or to trauma or tragedy, we can get consumed with trying to find answers or demanding justice or wanting sympathy. Those are some of the common, I say traps, but they're not always a trap. Maybe you are supposed to pursue answers. That might be what you're called to do right now, but only you know at what cost and how long you can do that before it becomes a detriment. For example, with my mom, I was livid. I felt like the medical community, the police, the police didn't even investigate anything. I felt that everyone just saw this 60-some-year-old woman and you know called it a suicide and didn't even do their job. I was so infuriated by that and wanted justice for her name and her honor and pursued all these things. And I finally came to the conclusion that I didn't have the emotional or financial reserves to be able to take on that fight. And that God wasn't asking me to take on that fight. And I finally came to the conclusion that what I wanted more than anything was the restoration of peace and joy in my life. And I found for myself in order to do that, I had to lay down my rights, my demands for justice and answers and those things that my reasoning mind was screaming for. I needed to lay those down and trust those to the Lord so that I could receive His peace, which is what I did receive. And so that's part of what I help people to do. And I help point out some of those traps that people can get stuck on. And certainly our culture and society doesn't help. Like this one is going to poke a lot of people, but sympathy. It's so easy to, when something bad happens, to let that become your identity 
and let that become the banner that you announce yourself with for the rest of your life and ask people to treat you in a special way or to tiptoe around you or to treat you differently because something bad happened. And it feels comfortable, feels comforting, but it can keep you stuck if you take it on as an identity. I remember so many people would come up to me, especially when I lost my son, and they would say, Kelly, I don't even know how you get out of bed in the morning. Like, I don't know how you do it. And they thought they were being nice and they were, their sentiment was nice. But if I would have come into agreement with them, if I would have said, yeah, you're right. You know, if I would have listened to that enough, pretty soon I wouldn't be getting out of bed in the morning, you know? And so it's becoming radically aware of what you allow into your mind, what you allow to come into agreement with, what you allow to come out your mouth about your own story, about your own process, about where you're trying to go and how you plan to get there. So that's part of what I help people do is establish this framework and then be very protective of it from external influences, our own internal influences and thinking to find community that is supportive and healthy community, not unhealthy community, you know, like the support group that I went to. And then finally, the the last step in my little process is to find a purpose for your pain. I believe that nothing that happens to us, good or bad, is meant for just us. It's always meant to benefit others as well. And so if you can learn to take a look at the tragedy, I don't care what it is, and find the purpose in it, find the ways that it benefits you or could benefit others, that is where the magic happens. That's where the awful thing can become rewarding or can be redeemed. It can be restored. It can actually add a layer of richness to your life that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And that's what I help people to do. And I have no doubt that you are truly the grief guru, you know, are really changing lives by helping people to recognize that, like you said, they don't have to be a victim of their circumstance. They don't have to be stuck. And I would be one of those people who would say, Kelly, I don't know how you get out of bed in the morning. Really? You know, and the fact that you have decided to not be that person who can't get out of bed, but instead to be the person who is out there changing lives, helping other people to heal through your own experiences is so incredibly powerful because you can honestly relate to what people are feeling and to have that wisdom in that moment for what to share with them. Yeah, that's one of the ways that I, you know, coach other people is whatever you've gone through, it now uniquely equips you to be there for somebody else. You now carry an authority to speak into someone else's life who's been through something similar that you didn't carry before. So if you can find no other reason or no other good or no other purpose in it, you can have that purpose. No matter if you have gone through a divorce, you're so much more equipped to speak to someone going through divorce or bankruptcy or illness or fill in the blank or loss. You know, that's one of the things that you can do. And I do want to share a disclaimer because I think the temptation for people would be to think that I don't ever have tough days or that I just have it all together and I live this amazing life and it never hurts and it's never hard. And I just, that's not true. You know, it is hard. For example, yesterday, I did not get off my couch all day yesterday. Yesterday was just a very heavy, hard day for me. You know, I, my daughter was with her dad and so I was all alone on Easter and, you know, with everything else, with the quarantine and everything else, I just felt on my own and it was a hard, heavy day. And so I want people to know, like, it doesn't mean the heartache goes away. I don't have a magic eraser to take it away. What I am here to tell people is that it is possible and it is worth it. You know, that 
leaning into this process, committing yourself to it, no matter how hard it is, no matter how long it takes, that it's worth it. You can build a life that you love and you can learn to manage your thoughts and emotions in a way that serve you and still, you know, sit with the sad, heavy times. You know, sometimes strength looks like walking forward and sometimes strength looks like sitting still. And that's the opportunity that is before all of us when hardship strikes or tragedy strikes is to learn to know ourselves better and how to take good care of ourselves, how to listen to our hearts and minds and bodies and just be really in touch and in tune with us. You know, I'm always careful to say that because I know that I'm the grief guru and I can have all these plans and answers. Like it's hard, you know, just because someone carries it well doesn't mean it's hard. I do have hard days and I do have hard times, but I am living a life that's amazing in so many ways. And that's the other thing too. Life is awful and amazing at the same time, I find, so many times. And the problem is when we let the awful overshadow the amazing or when we try to pretend that it's only amazing and try to deny or minimize the awful. No, they both exist. And I find more often than not, they exist at the same time. And so the trick and the art of it is to fully celebrate and appreciate the amazing and to fully recognize the awful at the same time and to not let one take away from the other. I'm really glad that you shared that part about the disclaimer about having the bad days. I think that one thing that is really important in that grief process, and like you said, whether it's a divorce or a job loss or moving, whatever it might be, is to actually feel the feelings, Mm -hmm. right? And so I love what you're doing, taking people through this process of feeling the feelings and moving forward. And having that, that not be the end of the story, the feeling Absolutely. the feelings is the end of the story. I love to share uh, motivational quotes with people. And I usually have something that, you know, ready to go. And I do in this case have something ready to go. But I actually want to share as a motivational quote something that you said. Mm. And uh, you said, and tell me if I've got this correct. Sometimes strength looks like walking forward and sometimes strength looks like standing still. Wow. So powerful so powerful. I love that you are sharing with people how to advance their life through the adversity that we face. We all have different things in our life, different things that come up that set us back. One thing that I was thinking about when you were talking is when people are giving up an addiction and they're recovering from addiction, feeling the grief around that as well and recognizing that there's all these different places in our lives where grief does show up. I know a lot of people through this pandemic are feeling a sense of grief just because of the overall global community mm-hmm. and what is going through. So your work is so incredibly important. And I asked you prior to recording for one motivational tip and you said your past doesn't define you, it prepares you. And how beautiful that you have taken this tragic past and let it define you as the person who is helping other people to overcome the adversity in their lives. And you know, you are now the woman who was standing on stage and shining their light and saying, you know, now I'm moving into the recovery. I'm going from surviving to thriving and I'm moving into a place of healing and forgiveness and teaching others to do the same. And so I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank you for being the bright light that you are and 
it's just a blessing to have spent this time with you. And please do, people, please do look up Kelly because as you got from this, just this short time that we had together, she is amazing at what she does. Thegriefguru.com on Facebook and Instagram at The Grief Guru. Check out her YouTube as well. Be sure to subscribe because I'm sure there's lots more amazing content to come. Is there anything you want to share before we sign off, Kelly? No, just thank you so much for having me. I just love the age that we live in, that technology allows us to broadcast messages. And because I consider myself forever grateful that I happened to go to that event and happened to see that speaker. I honestly don't know where I would be had I not heard her talk. And I had the privilege and honor to meet her actually. And I shared with her the impact of her life on my life and exactly what you said. Like if I can do for one person what she did for me, then that is you know a life fulfilled. And I shared with her, that any lives that are impacted by my story are indirectly accredited to her because it was her being brave enough to work through her stuff, first of all, and then share her story that really did snap me out of the hopeless kind of spiral that I was on. And so that is my hope and aim to do that for others. And I know that there are people listening who have the same opportunity and heart to be that for others. And the more of us that step up to the plate and are willing to share our lives and stories and triumphs and losses and all that kind of stuff, the more people that will find healing and hope and restoration in it. So thank you for, you know, having a platform to be able to share so many impactful stories. Oh, thank you. And you're right about that ripple effect. You know, for the people listening, if you can just visualize, you know, that pebble dropped into still water and the ripples going out, that's the ripples going out from you, Kelly, and from each person listening who is working towards making their life more purposeful and more helpful to others. And together, that is what will heal all of humanity and the planet. So thank you all for doing your part. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for stepping into your power. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you for joining us today. It is my true desire that you have been inspired and felt a sense of connection with the words being shared. If you have an inspirational story to share on how you have overcome adversity and created an exceptional life, please visit my website, victoriajohnson.org. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next time.